born ready. <laughs> Welcome to episode nine of the podcast. Today we have a very special guest from the States. Talking with us is Kate Holzer, who is a genetic counsellor. We all admit to not knowing much about this field, so I think without further ado, we'll welcome Kate to the podcast and let her tell us all about this fascinating topic. Welcome, Kate, and thanks again for joining us. And yeah, this is we've been so excited to have you on. Yes, yes, thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I just really enjoy talking about genetics and the field of genetic counseling, so I'm happy to, to talk more about with that um, with you guys today. That's great, because we were all just discussing before that we don't really, like, we've not really heard of a genetic counselor at all. Um, so, I mean, what is it exactly? Can you tell us what does a genetic counselor do? I mean, how do you get into it? What what made you get into it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is kind of a, a newer field, even in the States. Um, but it is, it is growing more recently. Um, but as genetic counselors, we meet with people and families and help them understand what their potential risk could be for a genetic condition for themselves or or the chance that they could pass something on to their children. And we help them decide what testing um, might be best for them to, to help us figure that out. And then we help them um, understand the results and, and what that could mean for, for their health and for the health of their families as well. So um, we we are kind of healthcare professionals, so we usually see people in kind of a, a healthcare clinic setting. We work closely with, with other providers, other doctors um, who refer their patients to us if they have a personal or family history concerning for a genetic condition. Um, and we have a master's degree, so we do four years of undergrad college and then two years for a master's that really specializes in learning about genetics, genetic technology, genetic testing, and we also have um, that counseling training. So some of the people we meet with are, are going through some kind of tough situations, tough times, and so it's really helpful to have that counseling background as well just to, to help support people. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into into the field. I really wanted to uh, work with people kind of one-on-one -on -one or, or in a small group setting, um, help educate them, and then help them make decisions and, and just adapt to um, what genetics could mean for them and their families. Yeah, that, I mean, that's very interesting. And I can imagine the counseling part must get so important because some of these conditions, I guess, are, yeah, pretty, pretty serious. Yeah, so what conditions, what sort of are, are the usual sort of types of conditions you, you come in most contact with? Mm -hmm. um, so some conditions, you know, are things we see in children, um, but also adults, just kind of common genetic conditions that people might be aware of, like Down syndrome is, is very common. Um, <clears throat> other conditions, 
could include something that a lot of things that we see are people with cancer. Um, so if they have a personal or, or family history of cancer, um, that's, a, that's a big part of, of what we do just to <clears throat> see if we could figure out if, if someone has a genetic predisposition for that. And uh, do you ever find like some of the, say the testing you do sort of like skip generations or, or it's usually sort of, you know, as expected? Mm -hmm. um, so usually it doesn't skip generations, but um, sometimes a parent might not have the condition but um, they could still have the gene and, and pass that on to their child. So there's, there's a couple different ways that genetic conditions can be inherited. And, and so oftentimes it's from a parent, but sometimes it's, it's also just random or, or sporadic in, in a child. And, okay. I, yeah. and is, the, is the point sort of to try and just get it early, to identify it early and then just manage it? Or, or, or even treated? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometimes the point is just to kind of, if someone already has symptoms or a suspected gen, uh, genetic condition, the point is just to try to get answers for that family to help them know kind of what to expect for the future. Mm -hmm. um, and then for things like cancer, the point is if someone knows that they have a genetic predisposition for cancer, then they can be more proactive about their health and about their cancer screening so <clears throat> that if it does develop hopefully they can catch it early or sometimes they can even do things to reduce the chance of cancer happening in the first place and uh, what sort of what types of uh, genetic tests are there because uh, I think I've, I've only come in contact with like what the one Andy was saying that 23andMe or something. Yes, so like, I did 23andMe with uh, the health screening and my daughter did it. And then yeah. I put it into Gene Genie online, breaking oh. mm -hmm. down you know, for other reasons to, you know, metabolization of medicine and finding out that and different things. Um, and obviously, I've, I had already discovered actually from a blood test and having a doctor screen my blood samples, that I had a blood glucose issue. That despite being fit and healthy, my T3 cells weren't uptaking blood glucose, uh, insulin readily. So he pointed out that I've probably got a genetic predisposition. So I did, you know, I was doing a 23andMe anyway to find out ethnic background and everything else just for a bit of fun. But I thought I'd do the health one as well. And that showed me as a 50-50 chance of being type two diabetic. So I thought that kind of ties in with that. That mm -hmm. is, I'm actually probably more than 50% likely because we've already got issues with blood glucose. Um, and then, yeah, there was a couple of other things like um, late onset dementia, which I knew run in my family anyway. There's obviously, I think, a, a higher rate of getting late onset dementia as well. But, you know, but I'm interested to know how accurate those tests are and what other tests are available and... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, so there's kind of two different types of genetic tests um, that I like to think about. So the first one is the, the type that we usually order just in a clinical setting, um, usually a blood test, but now they can do saliva samples. Um, so this is 
where um, basically they sequence the DNA of, of the genes that we ask them to look at, um, just kind of looking for any spelling mistakes, spelling errors within the genetic code. So this type of testing is <clears throat> very accurate, um, very comprehensive, although there are still limitations, and so um, that's why we like to meet with people just to, to let them know what those limitations are. And then um, that type of testing is for uh, usually for what we call single gene conditions. So uh, conditions where <clears throat> someone has a single change in a single gene that they inherited from a parent, um, and that's enough to either cause a very severe genetic condition or maybe just put some at a, someone at a higher risk for things like cancer. So then the other category is, is what you were talking about, Andy. Um, we call that direct-to-consumer testing. Yes. So, <clears throat> yeah, so 23 <laughs> Yeah, so you can order it from the comfort of your own home. Just have to fit into a tube. Um, and so, and you know, you don't have to necessarily go through a doctor or your doctor's office to, to get that test. A lot of what direct-to-consumer testing looks at is what we call multifactorial conditions. So multifactorial just means many factors are involved yeah. in the condition. Um, and so it's a combination of genetics, maybe multiple genes inherited from, from both parents, but then also a combination of environment, like diet, lifestyle, we know that can also impact our health. <clears throat> so the um, multifactorial conditions and the direct-to-consumer testing, um, it's looking for at what we call single nucleotide polymorphisms. We call them SNPs for short. And that's kind of exactly what they are. They're just little snippets of our DNA. So they're not sequencing the entire gene. Um, and so that's why it's just not as comprehensive as the genetic testing that, that would be ordered through um, a doctor's office. Um, so potentially, you know, there's a potential that something could get missed if, someone, if someone's result comes back saying they're not at risk for diabetes it doesn't necessarily mean that because they could have a, a different SNP or, or mutation that wasn't found by the testing. Um, yeah, and I, suppose, and I suppose there's a certain element of that in the actual... Now 23andMe have had to sort of put things in there, like little disclaimers in the health mm -hmm. thing saying, yeah. you know, just, even if it says you've got it, you've still got to go to a doctor yeah. to confirm. Mm -hmm. Because exactly. a lot of people get told, you know, you've got like you know, potential of getting like 90% chance of getting breast cancer and people are panicking and stressing. Uh -huh. and, it's, and it's not a full test. So you still got to go to a doctor. So you actually, before you're allowed to do the genetic, get your genetic results, you got to do these little online quizzes to make sure you're, you're okay you with yeah. what results you may get, <laughs> okay, you know? Okay, okay, that's good. So I think that's a new thing, though. Uh -huh. Yeah, they definitely <clears throat> have tried to do more education, um, and so I think that's good, and I think 23andMe does, does a pretty good job of, of trying to educate people before they do the test, just so that they know what, what some of those limitations are. 
Yeah, and I think again that goes back like to the counselling bit. I think that's 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 such an important element because like Andy said, if twenty three me says you're gonna get get breast cancer, and you it, yeah, you would freak out. Yeah, but definitely. if there's if there's someone yeah. like you who can take you through it and be like, well, you know, you don't need to freak out just exactly. yet. Um, so it's I guess all these kind of sort of at home tests sort of have yeah. As long as you know what you're getting into, it's okay. The thing is, most of most of the twenty three and me tests are lifestyle type things as well. Yeah. Like yeah. even the dementia, yeah. like yeah. late onset dementia, a lot of that can be managed and mitigated against, so you're less likely to ever to have a problem. So it's about it's it's nice for me to have the indication. Yeah. But I wasn't gonna sort of sell yeah. my sort of soul to it. I know, yeah. like yeah, my girlfriend Kat, she was really white because she had a really high level of like um, potential dementia that was really high on that and I was like well I spoke to Dr. Dean about it he goes I won't worry mm. he goes you know it's, it's still a lifestyle thing just now take into, that into account and make sure you're having all the things for, for good brain health but some people are just do 23 and me and that's it they're like yeah. oh no that's yeah. it yeah panic <laughs> yeah um, and yeah. just out of interest, like what what sort of the 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 pricing like Andy, what what is like twenty three and me sort of costing uh, and then uh, about, I think I've spent about hundred and twenty three pounds. Yeah, so it's a couple of like about probably two hundred dollars, hundred and sort of mid a hundred hundred and fifty pounds, so like I can't quite remember, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think I got it on sale for one twenty. I think I got it, yeah. it was on discount. And uh, and the <laughs> clinical <laughs> ones? What's the costing for like the clinical through the doctor and? Uh... Oh, um, so you know, usually we try to go through health insurance. Okay. Um, the cost that they bill insurance, I think, is around thousand dollars, or yeah. it could be more than yeah. that. But actually, mm. a lot of the clinical labs are now offering a patient pay price that's similar to the direct-to-consumer price of like oh, 250 so US mm-hmm. dollars and so that's kind of a nice option so that people can get kind of the more comprehensive information yeah. for, for the same price but they do have to have to go through a genetic counselor to order that. Yeah so does I talk about insurance and I know you're in the states is it is it something a lot of insurance companies will cover or is it hard for people to get? It's usually covered by insurance um, if there's an indication, and so that's why we meet with people just to, to see is is this testing appropriate, mm-hmm. and so that we can make sure we're ordering the the most appropriate test. Yeah, and I mean it's so by a new field like how how long has it sort of been around, and I mean do a lot of do a lot of people get tested? I mean, because we, I mean, and you, you've heard of it before. Like, I I hadn't yeah, really. The funny for... thing is, I had actually heard about it in dogs first. Both my dogs have had genetic oh. tests for certain for certain conditions, yeah. like Alaska Malamutes. So they both have DNA tests done to, yeah. have a, to make sure they don't have AMPNR or dwarfism or the long coat gene, various tests that they've had done on them which is way before i did 23 me so you know but yeah 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 genetic counseling has 
has been around oh for 50 50 years at least but um it used to be more so just working with children and families working in with pregnant individuals in the prenatal setting but now that we're able to test for other genes like cancer and, and heart conditions um it's it's really really grown since then and so i'd say the direct to consumer testing has has been around for maybe the past seven or so years yeah. okay well that's is good. it tied to a sort of human genome project i always feel like these things i was going to ask the same question yeah so just i was thinking it like huh, maybe the you know engineering super babies or i don't know <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah the human genome pro- project really um kind of on a lot of the the newer genetic testing technology that we have now and so I think that that's really helped and and hopefully made it more accessible to people although we still we still want it want it to be more accessible to, to more people and so I think in the future all of us will probably have some genetic testing um, even more of the more clinical genetic testing just because part of the the goal and the benefit is, is if someone knows they're at higher risk for a genetic condition or, or disease, in some cases, they can be more proactive and <clears throat> change their lifestyle um, to, to prevent some of the more severe symptoms from happening. Yeah. Has there been much progress in um, accuracy or type of testing? I know you said it's come, you know, come a long way, especially in the last seven years. Are we seeing more accurate testing, or? No? Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> the testing has has gotten more efficient and cheaper, and so it, it used to cost you know maybe like one or two thousand dollars to sequence just one gene. Wow. Now we can sequence. 20, 30, hundreds of genes actually all at the same time for the same um, price. And so the, the technology change um, to make it easier, easier to, to look at more genes. Wow, that's, that's a huge leap. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah. How long does it take? Um, so the testing, you know, doesn't take too long, but it's the interpretation of the results that can take a while. Um, and so depending on, on how many genes are looked at, um, usually takes a couple weeks, which, which isn't bad. Um, for some tests where they're kind of looking at all of the genetic material, that can take a couple months to, to get those results back. And uh, like the way it's sort of applied in health and lifestyle, is there a way the genetic testing is applied in in sports? You know, like uh, is there some way the like uh, sportsmen or sportswomen use the genetics tests to know maybe you're better playing this sport or certain sport or uh, you know muscle fibers, all the I guess nitty gritty uh-huh. that comes with the testing, rather than just, I guess health conditions and lifestyle conditions. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think some of the <clears throat> direct to consumer testing is looking at that, um, and so uh, you know with that, I think we're still learning more 
about <clears throat> even just, you know, health conditions like diabetes, heart disease, high cholesterol, but traits as far as, you know, what exercise might be most mm-hmm. beneficial for someone. Um, we're still learning more about the genetics of that. Um, we have a long way to go with that, and so some of the companies are starting pr- to provide information, but I don't think it's it's very accurate just because um, it, no. it hasn't been, been studied a lot yet. Yeah. I think there's a danger to it as well. Like Eddie Hall promotes one, yeah, and he got his whole family to do it, and it showed that they're like these powerlifting genes, which is not unusual because he's the world's strongest man. So I can hold him that. But yeah. the fact is, like, but he does his whole family. But there's a risk that, like, for me, if I say give that to Kai, my daughter, I would then go, oh yeah, she's got these genes, and then you start trying to force your kids oh, to do yeah. that sport. Definitely, yeah. And then, and then the fact is, it may be not that accurate, and you know, and children may not enjoy it. I still think there's, you know, let your kids find what they're naturally good at and, and enjoy. It. So. Right. Yeah, but it it would also be a game changer in sports. Can you imagine once you're once <laughs> once you're in once you're in the sport, you're you're a basketballer, footballer, whatever, and then you know you. You get tested and they find the perfect, I guess, formula for you to excel. It, it would. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I think in the ideal world, that would be nice. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it, too, you know, someone could just be athletic in general. Yeah. And, you know, it's just about where they want to focus their talents. And, you know, a lot of it is just comes from hard work and, and, and conditioning, too. So. Exactly. Yeah, I... Oh, go on, Claire. No, no, no. No, I was just saying... Yeah. I was going to say, I was listening to a podcast last night or this morning, I can't remember why. I think last night, Jim McBuff, right? And then, interestingly, they were talking about the future PEDs and where, like, where is the stop and what's going to happen with performance-enhancing drugs. And the theory is they're looking at sort of these sort of genetic sort of sequencing oh. kind of... Like, so you take it like a virus and it affects your DNA and it changes stuff. Sort of, you can remove like myostatin out of a body. Oh, yeah, that's a... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then so everyone become a bodybuilder because suddenly no one's got any myostatin. Yeah. It's really easy for to produce muscle and everything else. Is that, is that a realistic, from someone who works in genetics and DNA, I was just, yeah. like, Sounds I think like we're probably quite book. far away, but is that sort of something we could expect in the future? Um, you know, yeah, I would say also very, very far in the future. Um, (laughs) If we're going to be changing our DNA and and altering our genetic material, it's it's going to start by trying to cure some of the more like severe genetic conditions. Um, So maybe very far down the road, um, you know, we could look at enhancing you know people <laughs> i don't think we yeah. should be personally i don't think we should be because <laughs> yeah. you know it becomes who's got the biggest checkbook yeah 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 it's just yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very against sort of dna manipulation in, in general outside of the health realm yeah you know? mm-hmm. but you know i do think we are quite far away i was just interested to, to hear your point <laughs> <laughs> well we yeah. we actually found well heard of kate through ashley the registered dietitian Ashley and we yeah. were originally talking about um, 
food intolerances and allergies uh, with her. And, and then Ashley said, well, I have this uh, amazing friend, Kate, who's a genetic counsellor, and she would be much better, you know, at telling you about DNA testing for food intolerances and allergies, because, I mean, that, that has kind of, kind of reached here. Not that you can do it here, but it, it, it just seems like it's very trendy right now. Um, okay. I just want, we wanted to know your sort of thoughts on that, like, is DNA testing for, you know, to tell you that you should be eating this diet or that you're gluten intolerant, I mean, are those even accurate? Do they have a place? Uh -huh. um, do they have a future? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, my understanding, well, traditionally, allergy testing, you know, was done through a blood test or at a doctor's office. Um, <clears throat> and then it looks like, yeah, there are some, again, direct-to-consumer um, tests that are offering the genetic testing or DNA testing for food allergies. So I think, you know, I would say kind of along the same lines of the other direct-to-consumer tests, um, you know, they they might be useful for someone if they just kind of want to get a preliminary idea of maybe what foods they um, are intolerant of or more sensitive to. But again, I think they probably have a disclaimer um, <laughs> on uh, the results or the website saying, you know, don't don't make any drastic changes without talking your doctor um, and so again they look at they look at the SNPs um, mm. just because someone has a SNP it doesn't <clears throat> mean that they will necessarily develop that condition um, so what they what the studies have done they've taken a bunch of people a bunch of people with we'll say uh, a food allergy and a bunch of controls or people that that don't have that allergy they look at their genetic material and they look to see, do the people with this food allergy have <clears throat> something that's more common in them that could potentially explain why they have this food allergy that's not in the control group. And so um, just because someone has a SNP, it doesn't even mean it's necessarily associated with that food allergy, but maybe it was just more common in this group that was being studied. Um, so, you know, I think someone could do it and then, you know, they could follow the, the diet and then see what happens. And if, if they feel better, great. Um, but again, it's, it's just not, not an end-all, be-all. And we know that other, other factors like environmental factors can, can definitely play a role. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing, the other thing for people to remember, I don't know why there's so much echo, but the other thing for people to remember is that a lot of these direct-to-consumer tests seem to be updating their sort of control samples and stuff. Because I always click on my 23 Me and everything changes. I'm like, you know, suddenly like I've gone from being this much with a little bit of Scandinavian or whatever, and it's all changed a little bit. And because they're getting more and more data in, and they're able to sample more. Mm. And then it's the same with the health things, you know. That there's potential for all of it to change because you, you, you're on the direct consumer. You're, you're very much controlled by their sample base. Uh, am I right in believing this? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and <clears throat> yeah. It's just uh, you know, especially with food allergies, um, we know more about the genetics of that than we did 
five or ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. But we, we still have, have a long way to go. And so it probably, hopefully, the, the genetic testing will become more useful um, in the future, too, as, as they, they update their data and learn more. And Andy, when you did your test, were you here or in the UK? I can't remember. UK. You were in the UK, yeah. A bit, UK. A bit hard to sort of... Quick spit in the tube, yeah. pull it in the post, <laughs> then come back to Kenya and look for it. But Yeah, but listen, yeah. you know, it's, it's easy to do. I, I think you could probably even get them sent here from... I got mine via Amazon, I think. They're everywhere now, you know. Mm. Yeah, you probably get, if you were in here, get one sent from Amazon to Kenya, and then it'd just be a case of FedExing it back rather than putting it in the Kenyan Postal Service. Because that'd be gone. That'd <laughs> be just gone somewhere. But the fact is, as I said, you know, it's a great indicator. And it was, it was a bit of fun, actually, initially for like that. I was doing a hereditary one for a bit of fun. Yeah. Um, but then I decided to have a health one. And, but even then, you know, I wasn't, I'm quite, quite level-headed with things like this. I wasn't going to panic about any of the health markers. You know, there's a reason doctors and health professionals go to university for so long and school and you know so when you you know it's a bit like when people go and get food intolerance tests the electric the electric thing from the old you know pharmacy but you know those things people sort of go oh no i'm allergic to this and allergic to that well no you haven't actually spoke to people that actually know you've not done a proper test so just use these things as a possible indicator and think about it logically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I think as long as people understand kind of the, the limitations of the direct-to-consumer genetic testing, and then, um, yeah, if it, if it works for them and if it helps them improve their lifestyle, that's great. And um, But, yes, we do say they should confirm the, the results with their doctor, too. Yeah. I suppose it's like a, it's, a, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing the growth of genetics on the overall thing of like you know people like Leon said about trying to create a perfect yeah. almost oh, yeah. perfect child from oh, sort yeah. of you know, embryonic stage. So the realities are that you know we should be using it as a tool to make ourselves healthier mm -hmm. and, and and still let you know nature play a part, but actually use it as a, a healthcare methodology rather yeah. than let's try and have, leave a perfect life all the time, you know? It's not, no, there's no such thing as a perfect life, you know? So, yeah, yeah try and do everything perfectly. So that's just, yeah, like, I suppose my take on mm -hmm. genetics. Yeah, and, you know, right now we, <clears throat> we can't necessarily change our genes or, no. or our genetics, um, but there are things that we can do to some things we can control. And so, you know, eating a healthy lifestyle and, and eating a healthy diet are, are part of those things. And so um, as far as the utility of some of the direct-to-consumer testing, you know, we're going to tell people to do that anyway, regardless of their results. So just as long as, as people understand that, that those things are still important too. So have you sort of had, uh, like, clients where... They've had issues from generations before, and then with the genetics test, de uh, depending on what the outcome was, and you were able to sort of change their lifestyle, correct it, and uh, somehow it was fixed, and 
I guess that there were no snips in the future or not yet. Uh, you've not yet come across uh, such a, like an aftermath with a, with a client. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <clears throat> we, you know, if we find a genetic alteration um, in someone that kind of explains their personal family history, um, yeah, we're not able to change the genetic alteration, but <clears throat> in some cases we can give them recommendations for how to kind of proceed with screening for potential health problems that, that could develop. Um, there is technology if people want to avoid passing on a genetic condition um, that they can do that using in vitro fertilization um, and then they test the embryos do genetic testing on the embryos and they just don't implant the ones that are affected so that's that's kind of the option we have right now to avoid passing it on um, to kind of stop that generational pattern in the family. Wow, that, that sounds amazing, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And this is for just certain genetic conditions, so yeah. kind of the more single genes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just you, Leo, who wants a bit more athletic ability. Yeah, I can see it slowly getting there. It's like, oh, no, you know, the diseases first. And then it's like, yeah, I want an extra super athletic future baby. <laughs> that just gets scary because maybe in the future, like every baby will be tested. No, I'm joking, of, but yeah. As soon as it's born, you know, for, for defects or... I mean, that well, could... Before it's born. Oh, but yeah, yeah before, or even before yeah, it's yeah. born. I mean, that's... Yeah, the, the future yeah. is... It's a bit scary uh, yeah. if you think about it. Yeah. I mean, where, where do well, you see it going, Kate? Kind of yeah, um, you know, uh, like I said, I think genetic testing for adults, just, you know, healthy adults will continue to improve and, and become more accessible. And, and then, you know, kind of the natural progression is do we start doing genetic testing for children, yeah. um, you know, to, to be aware of potential things. children for those um, just because you know we think they should be able to make an informed decision themselves once mm. they they reach adulthood about whether whether they want to know about um, their mm. risk for a genetic condition or not yeah oh, yeah. yeah I think that means I was gonna say the thing I notice about it is a very holistic uh, part of healthcare is in like you're there as a counsellor which there isn't much in other fields of <coughs> medicine so you know if you go in and you you know got a problem with your heart you see the doctor that's it but with you like someone goes in with his genetic <coughs> things to see a counsellor you'll refer them to a test they go see a doctor then come back via you for like a follow-up is that how that works Mm-hmm. Yep, so we usually will meet with someone, we uh, gather all of their family history, so we take kind of a detailed look at the family history, um, give them information about what what we were kind of dealing with, what we should be looking for, um, talk to them about the testing, benefits, limitations, 
and then they do the test, um, and then we'll meet with them again in about a month just to go over all the results and make our final recommendations for what that means for, for them and their family. that on the podcast we're all personal trainers and you know it is a holistic approach and I guess personal trainers could be involved in that as well because you know and and nutritionists and dietitians because you can sort of manage a lot of these conditions with you know good nutrition and training exercise yeah yeah yeah, it would be be great to see yeah, more um, <clears throat> more of that being integrated in the field. So it's not really at the moment, sort of. I mean, do you kind of do you work with sort of like dietitians like Ashley and sort of personal trainers, or not, or not quite? <laughs> not a whole lot <laughs> yet. Yeah. Um, I think you know. Maybe some clinics will have um, all of that available, mm. but it's more so, um, <clears throat> you know, if someone's seeing a specialist because they're having symptoms of a heart condition or, mm. or cancer, and, and then we get the referral, but, you know, um, yeah, or we'll make referrals once we get a genetic diagnosis to maybe a, a dietitian or, mm-hmm. or um, personal trainer to kind of help with those things. Yeah, gosh. It makes sense that, like we always say, yeah, the healthcare world mm-hmm. works better when working together. And I suppose, you know, is why actually clinics and everything, you know, it's great to have everything all under one roof. You know, I know often here you go to see one doctor and you go across to another plaza to see another doctor because you've been referred. You know, I just think accessibility to healthcare works better when it's done holistically. You know, people, people are more willing, what's a there? Mm-hmm. go see everyone rather like someone like me I ain't going to see a doctor at the best of times let alone mm-hmm. if I'm going to go one day to see one wait a few more weeks go see another <laughs> if you can just do it all in one visit brilliant mm-hmm. yes it's definitely important yeah to integrate um, all those visits and and yeah sometimes we'll we'll go to specific clinics and, and so um, like if someone has a new diagnosis of breast cancer, we'll meet with them, they'll meet with the oncologist and the surgeon and, and the radiologist. And so, yeah, it definitely can be helpful for the patient just to see everyone and see everyone at once. And um, can be overwhelming, but I think they, they really appreciate just being able to get everything out of the way at, at once. Yeah, for sure. And, and for you, what's the most rewarding part of your, your job? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think just, you know, sitting down with people and, and getting to know them, learning about their families and, mm-hmm. and their relationships with their family members and um, just being able to answer their questions, give them information um, about what to potentially expect with with the testing or, or the results of testing and um, you know if we do find find something um, just 
just being there to, to support them and, and kind of help them think about, you know, how do I talk to my family members about this and and how do I kind of move forward after after potentially getting a, a genetic diagnosis. Yeah. It, 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 yeah, it's a bit like all counselling. Is it a particular, yeah, can it be, you know, the hard days can be personally hard on you and how do you personally combat this sort of, you know, the personal hardship for yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's obviously uh, tough for the clients or and the people we're meeting with, but, you know, it can be taxing too to to see people going through through really yeah. tough times. Um, I think, you know, just kind of <clears throat> debriefing with colleagues, so with with my other genetic counseling colleagues can help because they've they've experienced the same thing. Um, and then just kind of self care is is important too, making sure I'm taking care of myself so that I'm able to to be present yeah. with other people. Yeah. I think that's important. I, you know, from the healthcare professionals I personally know, some of them are worse at self care. And I think it's sometimes often forgotten in healthcare. Like, you know, you're out there looking after everyone. Yeah. But sometimes forget to look after yourself. yourself yeah. 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 Big time. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It can be hard to do, but, but it's important. Very. Very. And has, has COVID sort of impacted you, your work a lot or? Um, not a whole lot. So that's been good. Um, <clears throat> with genetic counseling, you know, we don't need to do a physical exam um, on someone like their doctor's already done that or we, we have a doctor here that does that. So it's actually um, <clears throat> pretty conducive to um, like virtual yeah. visits. So, so we've been able to, to do a lot of that and, and a lot of us were working from home for a, a couple of months. Um, because it really just is a having a conversation with people, yeah. and and so um, that's been nice. And now with the saliva testing, even for our clinical genetic tests, that's also made it really convenient for people to just stay at home, and then they they get their saliva kit and, and send it back to the lab. Yeah, that is pretty convenient. Yeah. That is. I mean, I I think I I would uh, I would be really interested in getting it done. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. You know, you don't want to see what <laughs> athletic uh, abilities you have. Leo's only interested for creating a perfect athlete. Yeah. That's all. No, <laughs> the, I think the one, if I was to do one, would be like the the lineage, you know, to know um, half maybe Red Indian or something. You, you never know. But health. You're not. Uh, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> But no, the, I think the health one, I'm, 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 I'm not too curious. Yeah, like, it's scary. like Andy doing it, I'm like, wow, that that it it, it takes big steps. I'm, yeah. Myself, I'm, That's, I'm not too sure. Hard. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to actually come for counseling first. Yes, before. I think you would. Yeah. You know, that's why counseling actually yeah. is probably the better way of doing it. You got to yeah. be like me. Yeah, I'm a little bit older than you guys, so yeah. I'm, I'm at a point where I'm in the forties. It's easy for me just to to look at it and go, well, I should be looking, you know, for, for potential health risks as I get older anyway. And although I live a pretty healthy life, yeah. Um, but also, I, I know as we discussed earlier, 
it's an indication rather than a, a sentence. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So you know, bear that in mind when you have it done. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd need to repeat that to myself for yeah, for a while before I can do that. Right? <laughs> yeah, you... Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I'm. I don't know. I. I. I don't like. I don't particularly like knowing. I'm. I'm good. Taking <laughs> it step by step. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm sure if you have a good counselor, like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that I think would, that yeah. is key. Yeah, yeah. it's really key. So you just yeah, yeah, don't freak out. Yeah. But I think it is fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's different. So some people yeah. are, you know, um, I just want to know everything. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna freak out or worry yeah. about it. And other people. Say, you know, maybe maybe I don't want to know because it's <laughs> yeah. just something that I'll ruminate about, I'll worry about, yeah. and, and sometimes there's there's nothing um, you can do about it for some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got quite a lot that runs in our family. <laughs> Like, yeah. Well, I'll be on the next flight to the States. Okay, you can expect me. After some Zoom counseling. Yeah. Yeah, it's all those things where it's like, yeah, not knowing's great for some people, especially if you suffer from anxiety anyway. Yeah. Why add to, why what? add to that on something that may not be a hundred percent accurate? Yeah. But you know, if you're a bit like me and you you don't worry so much, then it's okay. But as as you know, Catherine says that everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Everyone, yeah. you know, you need to you need to ask yourself a question: Do you want that or not? And yeah, you know, if not, great. Yeah. To be fair, I did it for my daughter, and I, you know, without her really knowing what's going on, she enjoyed the spitting in the tube. She loved that <laughs> bit of it. And the DNA side was fun, like the heritage side was fun for her. But I didn't go into the health thing with her. I didn't really. Yeah, that... It was more for. Yeah. And, and you know, she, hers will lower levels of mine, so it's like actually she's genetically yeah. healthier than me in theory. Yeah. You know? So it was lucky, but you know, it's one of those things where if something come back bad, how would I then handle it? Yeah. And that's like different for me. I'm fine with me, but looking back on it, yeah. And when like we did it, I wasn't even thinking about it. But like now, when you look back on it. The question is, how would I react to my child having so and she's only eight? Yeah, so true. you've been like, you know, like, there's a whole lifetime ahead of her to change. Am I then going to be sort of helicopter parenting every oh, yeah. step of the yeah, way? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. Well, not, you know, and I suppose that's, you know, that's one issue of doing it for children. Yeah. Yeah, true, true. Then, then not, you know. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. That's, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Yeah, and it's, yeah, our genetics, obviously, it doesn't just affect us, you know, it affects our children, and they get half yeah. of our genes, and our siblings, and parents, mm -hmm. and so, yeah, it's, it's important to, to think about implications for family members, too, when, when doing genetic testing. Yeah, wow. Well, yeah, I suggested to my brothers yeah. they should do it, especially for the diabetes stuff, just more for them to get their minds into not like my older brother he'll sit down and eat a whole cake to himself he's like yeah he's got zero health interest but as i said to him like if you know I, i'm having problems with blood glucose i'm super healthy compared to you, you know? yeah um and i'm saying i'm sure you must be diabetic mick but um he yeah he's got zero interest in doing a test because he doesn't want actually yeah, to want know, to know. He's, he's, rather, he's happy yeah, with the cake he goes to a doctor yeah <laughs> so yeah it was different and yeah you gotta be careful when you do your test 
I suppose, how you approach your, your, your siblings as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't sort of, you know, force them. I just told them roughly what mine said yeah. and left it up to them what we do about it, but, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so, do you get a lot of clients doing, like, the heritage one? Because I, I feel like... Uh... <laughs> That's a fun part of the year. You need a counsellor. What do you need counselling for? If you find yeah. out. Yeah, 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 Kenyan. 100% Kenyan. Kenyan. You've got no native American Indian. No, I think it's just nice to sort of know, you know, the, you, you find where you, where with the whole ancestry thing, it, it would be. It is, I think it, that, that for me is, I wouldn't That's think twice. I would yeah. Do, yeah, it's very safe. I, I suppose that you could do health mapping though, couldn't you? Is there certain, you could suppose look at sort of, um, sort of heritage, heritage DNA yeah. and, and, you know, haplogroups groups and everything else and overlay health markers and see if some from a certain mm. haplo group or whatever it may be has a higher risk of any particular yeah. Illness. Is that is it, are we we with are we there yet with that? Um, so, somewhat, but 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 not quite not yet. yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it, it's still um, in the research stages. Yeah, oh, nice. yeah that that would I mean that would make sense as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we you know that. we do know people of of certain ancestry backgrounds um, are some are at a higher risk for some things than mm-hmm. others and. Um, so we, we certainly know that, um, and so it, that's kind of something we take into account as well as family history. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I always just say it's important to let your doctors know about that, um, just so that they can, you know, make sure they're getting the appropriate testing and, and screening. Great. Well, Kate, I think you've got a, a client <laughs> after this, so we will let you get to your client. But thank you so much. That was that was fascinating. Thank you. Yes, and thank uh, you. yeah, if we, we if we were in the states, we, we would well, Leon might not nope. be there, but uh, <laughs> I'll come, I'd, I'd come. I'd come for my heritage one and lots of counseling. Well, if we ever if, if we ever do a twenty three and me for his lineage, we'll let you know if there's any red yeah. Indian in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you never know. Yes, please, please update me with your results. <laughs> All right, thank you again. That was thank really you. interesting. Thank you for having me. Okay. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.